Hello and welcome to the AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 193, wow. 193 to be uh, more concise. My name is David Brooke. I'm here to talk about comics and chew gubble gum, and I'm out of bubble gum. Yeah, and I've got comics. <laughs> you do? I do. Are they in your lap? I do. Yeah. Are you reading them right now? Uh, no, I've got uh, I've got a couple right next to me. I've got uh, yeah, I've got some Archie collections I picked up <laughs> yesterday that I'm very excited about. I actually do have piles of comics right next to me. It's kind of I don't know. No, it's it's, a lot. it's our it's our perfect state. That is exactly how we should be. We should do the show one week where we don't read mm-hmm. anything until we hit record, and then uh-huh. while we're talking about the news, we have to get through the comics. We we're gonna just, say are the best, just like shuffling papers <laughs> in the microphone and being like, "Oh, interesting! Wow, Harry Osborne, what are you up to this week?" Uh, <laughs> we could read the comics on air. I, I, other podcasts do that. I know. Yeah, there's a there's a really fun podcast called Screw It. We're just gonna talk about comics, and for yeah. like their first like thirty episodes, they went through the the original Lee and Ditko Spider Man issues, and they yeah. were literally just reading them on air and like riffing on them and it's so great oh that sounds fun it's a blast yeah uh later in the show we have tyler burton smith on to talk about slumber volume one it's the trade paperback out from image comics that just came out a few days ago and we're gonna talk all about the six issue series run that he did there it's a blast if there's uh some uh, sequels in the future maybe i don't know yeah i mean the fact that volume one is uh on the book you know lends it a little bit of uh hope there that's true that is a good point. Yep. Yeah. So yep. I yeah I loved Slumber. I, I was very excited to to talk to Tyler about it, and uh, it's a really fun talk about uh, going from writing film to writing comics, and and his lifelong love of of comic books, yep. and yep. Uh, yep. Uh, how to translate dream logic onto a page, which was like one of the most fascinating things about digging into this series. So fascinating, his connection to like dreaming and yeah. like his history of nightmares sure. and stuff and how that inspired this book. And also like that whole like action element and like yes. there's like these crazy one-liners. It's such a good book. I think it's a great read just for like the Halloween season, but absolutely. really anytime because of that action element. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get to that interview though, we're going to recap the biggest news that we can yeah. review our favorite comics. We're going to talk about next week and we have a kapow moment uh, for the first time ever. For the first uh, time ever. <laughs> I just made that up. Strap Actually, it's, in. Every, it's every week. But um, not a lot of news this week because uh-huh. I think a lot of the PR folks at uh, you know Marvel, DC, IDW, whatever, were uh, exhausted from New York Comic Con last no week. No doubt. I like don't blame them at all. No, I don't either. And while we did cover almost all of the news last week, we do have one bit of news that we weren't allowed to talk about yes. yet because it didn't actually happen until... I think three or four hours after the uh, last week's episode aired. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the Women of Marvel panel on Sunday, uh, there were three big uh, new title reveals. Yeah. Uh, and each one, I think, is a miniseries except for one. Uh, Marvel corrected later. But uh, yeah, so the three titles are X-23 Deadly Regenesis. Yeah. Uh, this one's written by Erica Schultz with art by Edgar Salazar. A lot of folks were immediately upset that it wasn't called Wolverine. Wolverine, Yeah. But uh, I believe uh, the cover artist, and then I think Erica even said and corrected, uh, this is actually a prequel, so back when right. she was still X-23. Right, correct. Because if you don't know, Laura is now Wolverine, and mm-hmm. people are really passionate about that, mm-hmm. that she's Wolverine. And the comics even confirmed it. Wolverine, Logan, has literally said, you that's, are Wolverine. That's Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Also announced Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain was announced. Uh, mm-hmm. Teeny Howard is continuing her story with uh, with Betsy and uh, with art by Vasco 
Georgiev, and um, this one's kicking off in February. So yeah, they originally said it was a limited series, but then they said, no, 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 it's not a limited series. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a new series. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I love uh, love Captain, Br- Captain Britain, love Betsy Braddock. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, the it solicit that they sent is kind of interesting. It says, with Otherworld settled... Braddock Manor restored, blah, blah, blah. So Otherworld is settled. So, mm-hmm. you know, since Ten of Swords, what, like two, three years ago now? Right. Uh, I always thought they would explore Otherworld a little more. but And they have with, um, you know, Teeny has mostly. Yeah. But they haven't really taken the entire run or line of X-Men comics back. I don't know why. Right. And this is kind of exploring the idea that now Betsy's like, well, what's my mission? What is my purpose mm. now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I mean. Totally. There, there was the... The smooch heard round the world in mm-hmm. the last issue uh, of Knights of X uh, that everyone's really excited about. And it looks like Rachel's on the, on the cover here. So mm-hmm. they'll continue that relationship. And then also announced oh, Rogue and Gambit. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. With Stephanie Phillips and Carlos Gomez. Yeah. I'm that's really cool. really excited for this. Me too. I, I saw... Uh, we were posting the news on our Twitter, on IPT Twitter, and G. Willow Wilson was very excited about yeah. this one specifically as well. Uh, yeah, they, their I 90s think... looks too. They deserve a book together. Let's totally. be honest. Um, you know, they've been obviously together here and there, but I think Gambit was literally dead almost the entire run of Knights of X. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a whole period where Rogue was actually in, like comatose. Right. So like the X line has basically forced these characters to not be in a relationship, even though they're mm-hmm. officially in a relationship for the longest time for some reason. Well, and it makes me wonder because, I mean, Destiny's figuring heavily into this cover art as well. Are we yeah. going to see, you know, different different paths that their lives might have taken or, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's very curious to me that we've got this extremely, you know, Jim Lee designed rogue and Gambit on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. The costumes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It starts in March, which makes me think it's, it's happening after the sin sins of sinister event crossover event. Yeah. Whatever this is, I'm, I'm excited about it. I also love the playful, you know, card, uh, sweet, uh, logo treatment here as well. Yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, that was another thing that I saw a lot of folks on Twitter uh, sort of annoyed about. Uh, it looks like Muller is no longer, Tom Muller is no longer doing the logo designs. Yeah, it definitely has a different vibe. Every single one is different from each other. Mm-hmm. So, And I think when Hickman came on, he brought in this designer to make it so the whole line felt cohesive. And yeah. It looks like they're moving away from that. Yeah, it sure seems like it. Which isn't bad per se. No. I mean... Uh, also, a bunch of uh, Marvel Unlimited books were announced, mm-hmm. um, some involving uh, strong guys, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you go to aptcomics.com, you can see this uh, the cover art for all of these, as well as um, additional solicit info that we didn't get into. Nice. Um, and yeah, so that was NYCC wrapped up. So if you listen to this one uh, five-minute clip, and then last week, you get the whole shebang. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Also announced this week, IDW has Star Trek Defiant coming out. Yeah. This one's written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Angel Unzueta. And uh, good lord, the cover art is so cool. So great. Yeah. And also, there's an interesting mashup of characters on this cover. Spock, Bilana, Lore, Worf. <laughs> uh, and it's it's uh, it's a spinoff of the, the, the Kelly and Lansing Star Trek that's coming up. So right. we're dealing with a, you know, a crew across time, I think. Yeah, or the multiverse even. Right. Who knows? Uh, yeah, and it's interesting that Lore's here because we we literally just found out too in Picard season yeah, three. That's right. Lore's popping up. Right. So whenever like that kind of cohesion happens, I think, God, has Christopher Cantwell known 
what part season three's been about for <laughs> right. like a year. Uh, that lucky bastard. Uh, I'm really pumped. Honestly, I have I've dipped in and out of Star Trek comics at IDW for the longest time. Uh-huh. In part because I feel like I don't know. It, no offense to the artist, but sometimes the level of the quality of the art is just varies quite a bit. Yeah, and, and uh, sometimes, I mean, when they were going really hard on a bunch of different spinoffs and a bunch of different one-shots all at once, there was, it, it would occasionally feel like it was hard to kind of tell what was important to the overall right. story, There's no cohesion. and some stuff felt a little, like, throwaway, but I don't know, I, I'm really excited to see how this, is. I mean, these are all being edited under Heather Antos, and, like, yep. I, I love that that they're they're really hitting hard with making a cohesive vision for Star Trek going forward. Yeah, me too. And yeah, like you said, like there'd be like a random like, oh, this this is set in the uh, original series. Mm-hmm. Then you'd have like a Green Lantern Star Trek crossover happening at the mm-hmm. same time. <laughs> and it was like, I don't even know where to start here. What's happening? So it looks like they're getting all their ducks in a row for these series. Well, and we've seen how well Cantwell and Inzueta work together on Iron Man. So yeah, like yeah. this is yeah, this is an exciting creative team for this book for sure it launches in march there's gonna be a daniel warren johnson uh variant cover for the star trek defiant and i can't wait that to see what that is gonna rip it's gonna rip <laughs> that's what it is uh david can i ask you a question yeah yeah what does darth vader lady quara and the knights of run have in common um they're all in uh the space is it is it isn't it kira I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I Kira. watched that movie one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the solo movie, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're all joining, crashing into battle f- uh, formations for an upcoming five-issue story called mm-hmm. Star Wars Hidden Empire. Uh, Marvel is saying it's ending Charles Soule's trilogy of game-changing Star Wars comic book epics. Wow. Uh, they just came off Crimson em- uh, Rain, sorry. Crimson Rain, which was like a crossover across all the Star Wars right. books. I think it was the first... Big Star Wars crossover at Marvel um, since they acquired the rights. It's, well, they've they've done a couple of them. Like they had Vader down and a couple of others, but like this one was like huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, it's so interesting to me when hunters. they when they were taking this Lady Quora Quora. I think it's Quora? Kira. I'm pretty Kira. sure it's Kira. When they took this it's character, the, that... that's the Amelia Amelia Clark character, right? Yeah, Mother of Dragons. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they took this character from a movie that did poorly was resoundingly hated yeah. even though i liked it uh and then put her into this this book and kind of put her at the center center yeah. focus of the comics i kept thinking like why are they i mean i, I it makes sense but uh-huh. is this gonna sell like i never i never wasn't sure about that i like, don't know i mean i look yeah. i i kind of fell off the star wars comics a little while back i kind of had a similar thing to the what we i just said with star trek where it got yeah i was so on board when it was one main title and a couple of like mini series and one shots easy to follow right and then it Cohesion. got it got too big and then i yeah. i was just i was like oh no I'm, i don't know i like if you <laughs> fall behind for like one month during mm-hmm. a crossover it's it's kind of hard to catch up and it is. uh you know, I gotta say, you are literally the third person this week who has told oh. me that Solo is better than I remember it being. <laughs> uh, did you not like it? I, I did not, uh, but oh. I, I I want to rewatch it now because, uh, like, like legitimately, like, three people whose opinions I hold dear have told me that, <laughs> yeah, you should watch it again. It's really fun. I'm a huge uh, Woody Harrelson homer, so... Oh, uh, totally, yeah. Uh, I think he helped quite a bit make me enjoy that movie. that's how i feel about paul bettany so i get i get it <laughs> oh he's great too yeah he's in it as well 
Um, you know what's crazy? It mm. is we're coming on the ten year anniversary of Disney buying Star Wars. That's wild. Yeah, just like two weeks from now. Yeah, um, will be the ten year anniversary. Actually, AIPT is putting together a bunch of uh, big feature stories. That's right. Um, across all sorts of Lucasfilm uh, properties mm-hmm. to sort of ask the question: Was it a good thing that Disney bought Star Wars? Right. And I would argue, personally, I would argue that for TV, yes. For comics, I'm not sure. And for movies, mm, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an easier one maybe to crack. But yeah, so uh, it's interesting that the comics are fully invested in tying into movies like Solo. Um, totally. I'm, and, and, I think and, we're getting an Andor comic at some point. And paying off stories that like we haven't seen really pay off on screen. I mean, all the yeah. all the stuff with Crimson Dawn just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, it did. So I'm, I mean, I'm digging all this. Everything they've done with the uh, Knights of Ren has, you know, substantially been better than what we've seen of them in the movies. Sure. So well, what I mean... we saw of them in the movies is someone <laughs> saying, you know, there's a thing called the Knights of Ren. And I think in the third movie, like we see them like hunting some of the his heroes. bros are there, yeah, and they're like just randomly situated in the desert, standing on like peaks, looking yep. around. It's so weird. Anyway, <laughs> we could trust that forever. Um, uh, talking about uh, Disney team-ups, yeah. uh, D- Disney and Marvel are teaming up again because I think just a few weeks ago we revealed they uh, they teamed up for um, a D23 cover. That's right, yeah. Well, now they're teaming up again to celebrate Disney 100 Years of Wonder, which is, I think, this year-long event celebrating Disney uh, uh-huh. since its formation in October 16th, 1923. Yeah. So it's uh, literally 100 years since Disney was created. So anyway, every month of 2023 we'll have a, a mashup of Mickey... And Minnie and all these other Disney characters on in drawn in iconic uh, Marvel comic covers. Right. And Marvel has released three: one for Hulk, one for uh, Avengers, and one for Fantastic Four. Yeah. Well, and what's odd is these are <laughs> these are going on Amazing Spider-Man, but they're Fantastic right? Four covers and Avengers covers <laughs> and a Hulk cover. It right. All three of these. That doesn't make any sense to me, but um, sure. I this uh, this Hulk cover is haunting. <laughs> yeah, goofy hulking out is quite scary. Yeah. This big dumb smile is <laughs> freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's really cool to see Mickey as um, Captain America, and his helmet even has pretty good uh, uh, little pockets for his ears. I handy what? Who decided not to call him the the Incredible Hulk? Ooh, that's good. I like that. Come on. It's yeah, right it looks there. like all the titles are, like, the treatment of the titles is exactly as it was. Yeah, I do like, love that. I'm, I'm such so. a sucker for that classic Fantastic Four letterhead. Yeah, there's a lot of good details. Oh, we should mention the art is by Vitaly Migliatorti, mm-hmm. um, with colors by Valerio de Sanctus. I don't know who they are. They're not on Twitter. Okay. But I think if you Google them, they're actually quite iconic as far as, like, Disney art. Nice. And uh, moving on to some more uh, Marvel news, uh, the co-creator of Bishop, Portaccio, uh, is doing a two-part Bishop story in X-Men Legends number five and six. Uh, I actually got to interview him um, at STCC a few years ago mm-hmm. when he was doing covers for Uncanny X-Men. And uh, it's 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 great to see that he gets to basically close the door on what the hell was Bishop doing before he showed up yeah. in our universe and saying, we got to do stuff or the future is ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was like, just like he's that. like we had a whole backstory for him and like his team, and then yeah. we see them for like a panel before he makes yeah. his way to the present. That was such an iconic cover too, where he's oh, showing totally. up. Oh my god, that was like primo time for me when I was a little kid to see that cover. <laughs> and be like, yeah, look at those big guns. Yeah. 
But uh, uh, part of me is like, this is great uh, that Patachio gets to tell the story. Yeah. Also, part of me thinks, do we have to tell every story? Do we have to like answer every question? Sure. I, I don't know. I think it doesn't hurt anything. That's kind of been the, the joy of X-Men Legends is it's always stuff that's like, oh, I don't, you know, this isn't really a, a hole that I needed to be filled in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so cool to see these creators returning to characters that they, they helped bring into the world. Totally, yeah. And it's cool to see Bishop get, like, a primo spot as well. Always, absolutely. Uh, and then in our last bit of news, DC Universe Infinite is... Or Infinity? Infinity? No, Infinite. Infinite. I'm so stupid. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> DC Universe Infinite uh, has announced a new tier. It's called the Ultra Tier. Doesn't that sound awesome, people? Yeah, it does sound pretty ultra. <laughs> Oh, it's like the 90s. Um, for $100, uh, you can get this Ultra membership. Yeah. I believe it's only $100 for a little while, though. Yeah. Uh, I think until November 28th. So get it now until it jumps up in price, probably to 125 Anyway, mm-hmm. if you get this Ultra thing, you can get all of the brand new comics that have been released in, on the digital app only one month after they released. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad at all. And if you sign up now, you get a free co- physical comic mailed to you, uh, The Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Deluxe Edition. Oh, that's, which a, great, is that's cool. a great book. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess it'll ship oh, when, I was when thinking it of the Yes, I was thinking of the, uh, the anthology from like a month back. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it has a special cover, too, of uh, Superman punching Doomsday like a boss. Hell, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm not super into reading digital comics. Uh, I don't. I do have mm-hmm. a subscription to both Marvel and the DC Infinite, but I don't know. Uh, do you suppose this is the start of the death knell of comic shops, like everyone wants to say every other day? Nah, <laughs> I don't think so. I I think that it's a really great um, alternative for folks who maybe don't have the space to bring, uh, you know, seven eight books home every week and yeah uh, you know i i I, i'm also more of a physical media guy but i will say you know i've been in situations where if i'm like a few years back after after the hurricane and i was like staying with my folks all my stuff was in storage and digital comics were like a huge boon to me like to be able to still like keep up with stuff and read my back catalog was was uh was really awesome so uh yeah it's a i mean this is it's a really good deal for for the yeah. uh, for a year subscription. Yeah, and they just added a bunch of Vertigo books as well. Right. Um, like 100 Bullets and, and other titles like that. Uh, Mad Magazine, for the first time, is also on the app. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> the whole world is turning to subscription-based everything, right? Well, I'm just saying, like, if you pick up you know, six comic books even uh, a yeah. week, you're you've paid for your subscription before the end of the month. Yep, you know what I mean? True. Like, your mm-hmm. subscription's paid for itself. It launched on Monday, and yeah, again, you have until November 28th to pay only $100 if you're in the U.S., yeah. a little bit more in other uh, countries. But uh, yeah, when do you do you think the uh, Marvel Unlimited and, and uh, DC Infinite, will they ever go to a, you know, release Day new comics? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I would have to imagine the overhead for that would be insane. It would be a lot to just even get them on the app, I'm sure. That's the tubular tier. <laughs> yeah only Raphael is into that one because he's a he's a, a an angry dude that's right um Damn! i would i would be I, I would be like i don't know sort of disturbingly fascinated to see what would happen to comic shops if that ever happened mm-hmm. i think like what you said like a lot of people like the physical format and they will always want the physical format totally but 
again, like you've, I mean, people talk about this all the time. Like, is it sustainable to have comic shops sell $3 comics? I would hope uh, so because that's what I like. And <laughs> I mean, like I mean, look at what's happening with HBO max right now, right? Like yes. all of yeah. these shows and movies where all of a sudden, you know, it's proving why it's good to buy a Blu-ray, you know? Yes. I mean, yeah. if when, when something, if something can get pulled from a streaming service and then it just doesn't exist anymore because right. two seasons of work have become a tax write-off, like, that's not I've had great. moments. I've tried to find a movie and it's literally not on any app. You can't rent or buy anywhere. Until, like, uh, last yeah. year, you could not get hard-boiled anywhere. John Woo's uh, Hard-Boiled yeah. was, like, mm -hmm. one of the greatest action films of all time and, like, a, yeah. a, a game-changer. You literally could not buy it physically. You could not stream it anywhere unless you had like a shitty DVD copy from 2006. <laughs> you could not watch this like important film. There's also cases where I think it's Amazon. Sometimes you'll buy a movie and then like six or seven years later, some kind of licensing thing happens. Yeah. And they take it from you. Sure. Because it's just they're not they're not physically they're not even allowed to have you have access to there it, even are, though you technically bought it. There are games that will cease to exist now that Google Stadia is being you know taken off. Oh right! Like, did you see there was a guy that like pleaded with Stadia to st keep it alive so he could play PUBG? Yeah, I mean, the, there's something. a bunch of companies that are trying yeah. to figure out ways to help people migrate their saves. Yes, I mean, uh, yes. CD Projekt Red has created a system specifically for people who have played Cyberpunk 2077 on Stadia yeah. to take their saves over to PlayStation or Xbox or PC. That's uh, crazy. And, and, and meanwhile, there are other developers who have literally said, we had an exclusive deal through Stadia. Mm -hmm. When this server goes offline, our game won't exist anymore. That's crazy. Yeah. And that could happen to these apps. I mean, you know, with Discovery buying, mm -hmm. you know, Warner and all this... We, you were, could, we were talking right before this about how Cartoon Network is like, its days yep. are numbered. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's insane. So, yeah, buying physical, even though, like you said, it's mm -hmm. really convenient to get on an app and just have your any comic at your fingertips. Yeah. You don't have to have storage for it, and you don't have to keep them in bags and boards. <laughs> right. But at one day, someone will be like, you know what? 100 bullets. No one reads that. Delete it from the app. We don't need it sure. anymore. And all of a sudden, you just can't have it anymore. Try to watch the Swamp Thing TV series now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, unless you can right. find the DVD at Walmart, you're kind of out of luck. So that's why the AAPT Comics podcast is now offering a DVD <laughs> of all of our shows yep. for forty nine ninety nine. That's right. Because I could literally delete this entire show at any moment. I have a, I have, I have done two <laughs> podcasts that <sighs> don't exist anymore. And it's a bummer. Yeah. Like, you know, it's... Yeah. A, it's, uh, yeah, these things, are, uh, that's why it's so nice to have these things as a record. And not just because mm -hmm. I'm a pack rat and not just because <laughs> I'm the kind of person that'll drop $20 on, you know, Friday the 13th, the series. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's crazy. I don't know. It's just, it's nice to have, it's nice to have things and not lose them later. You're so right. I still have the files though. So if the show ever gets deleted, I can just send you all the files. You can listen to all these episodes. Oh, I've like still you. got my side recorded so I can listen to it. It's set, like, it's so funny. I have all these like files on that's my funny. computer that just sound like I'm talking to myself. That's funny. You could, you could play it and then just talk to yourself actually. Respond to yourself. <laughs> that's 100% uh, what I'm going to do after the apocalypse. It's going to be and like that. That's another uh, thing. It's going to be like that kids in the hall sketch with the, uh, the radio DJ in the bunker. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, when the apocalypse happens, this show will no longer exist. 
I'm pretty sure. You need electricity for it. We'll see. In our next segment, our top books of the week, we're going to talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. Yeah. My second favorite book of the week was Masquerade, number two, by Kevin Smith, Andy Mikkel Fresh, Fresh and John Springlemeyer. Mm-hmm. Um... I was I liked the first issue. I liked the second issue even more. Uh, I liked the, the the series a little bit more because it started to make more sense. <laughs> uh, sometimes with comics, it takes two issues to kind of understand the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in part because they're probably holding back, but also with the pacing, it's a little slower sometimes. But anyway, uh, Sprinkle Meyer's art is like straight from Archer. Uh, it's like this cartoon animation style. It's really cool. It's really clean. And it works really well for a story that basically is mixing sci-fi with um, social media and uh, predatory uh, characters that are trying to get with little kids and Mm. getting stopped in their tracks by our main character who uh, viciously tortures them. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's crazy. There's a a scene in the end of the second issue where, like, you see a guy's face is, like, turned to goop, but he's still alive. Oh, shit. And part of me is like, I should be, like disgusted by this character for doing this to this person this is awful and yet i think they deserve it right <laughs> and I, I am always uh, surprised by those kind of like revenge flicks where like something like that happens and, and you're like, like good for them <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> sure um the book is uh is is kind of panning out in an interesting way mm-hmm. it definitely feels like one of those books where it's like they probably wanted to make it into a tv show and it never happened so mm-hmm. they're just launching it but yeah this is the f- uh, first book kevin smith has launched under dark horse under his new label yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm really liking it. I think it's uh, I think it's unique. Awesome. I need to check it out. I I, I missed out on the first issue as well. So um, it's a di- it's a different one for sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. It's, uh, Smith's comic work has been like hit or miss for me, but he usually has <sighs> like really. I mean, it sounds like he's got a creative team that's like help helping him execute these ideas in in a in an interesting way. Yeah, he's listed. I think he's listed as the main writer on this because mm-hmm. he's the first name. Yeah, but uh, Andy is also co-writing. So right. Yeah, so, I yeah. I recently reread his Green Arrow run and it's pretty fantastic. Is it? I, nice. I had forgotten how good it was. The last thing I read of his in comic form was uh, Daredevil. Was it the the tar or not? Dare, yeah, the Daredevil, like just his Daredevil run with Casada. Yeah, the the OG Which one. Is pretty good. For, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It still holds up pretty well. Yeah. The art's an insane. It's so good. It looks great. Yeah. I mean, that that iconic shot of Matt holding on to the cross is straight Oh, my God. That. And yeah. the way he does the uh, the Billy Club chord, it's like wrapped insanely. Yes. Like zigzagging and possibly. It, it's so cool. Yeah. That kind of shit is just like, okay, this is why I read comics. Yeah, comics. <laughs> Comic wires. <laughs> what was your second favorite book of the week? Uh, I loved X-Force number 32 by Benjamin Percy and Robert Gill. Craven has come to Krakoa, and uh, that's <laughs> He's it. He's on guys. vacation, huh? Yeah, I mean it's really fun. You get some very um, Last Hunt esque uh, narration from Craven about how the the X Men have basically cheapened death, and how mm. he wants to make sure that the like he he's realized that now they are the apex predators on the planet because they've figured out a way to circumvent being hunted and killed. And mm-hmm. so he's like, that's the ultimate challenge, and I'm going to make them appreciate life more by uh, removing the, their their ability to resurrect. And uh, meanwhile, he's carrying around Deadpool's <laughs> severed head yeah. uh, to try to get around the place. And, and uh, it's just a, it's a wacky premise that plays out in some really scary... I mean, part of this book is just straight up a slasher movie with Craven. He's murdering children, for God's it's sakes. It's wild, yeah. And then... <laughs> 
you know, the uh, beast being a, a real shit and being like, well, at least I'm safe. <laughs> like, yeah, he's um, been a bastard in this series. He really is. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's just the first part of this arc, but uh, the stakes are set immediately at like an all time high. And I just really, really dig this story. Percy has really made like a horror, like body horror, even totally. elements in this series. When when Omega Red is like starts slurping down on the half formed <laughs> clone bodies, and there's no souls in them, so it's just protein. Yeah, he says, that's right? And it's he's, like, he's dude, like they're not people yet. You're fucking mental for doing it's that. It's Wild, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I really liked uh, how Percy's written Craven too, and he fully admits like I am a clone, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be the last fucking clone. Cause I'm going to be the best there is. Yeah. So what I do. And I also just love the, uh, I, I love, uh, the sequence between, uh, black Tom and Deadpool where he's mm. like building him a body out of the yeah. earth. And, uh, yeah, it's just, just some fun stuff. Yeah, totally. Take some big swings. Uh, my favorite book of the week was Batman incorporated. Number one by Ed Burson and John Timms. Um, mm-hmm. This one is really good at doing the whole globetrotting thing. Totally. There are a lot of fucking characters in this book, too. Mm -hmm. And Tim's does not skimp on the art. Holy crap. In the first few pages, he's drawing every freaking brick in this wall uh, in a scene in Dublin. And it's just like, actually, uh, I got to interview them a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I I was like did you really have to draw every brick? And he was like, I know, I really should get better at not drawing everything. Uh, but <laughs> the tech level looks of, so cool too. Yeah, the costuming, there are such subtle details. Mm-hmm. Like he's like drawing like a chain that just like hangs down someone's like, uh, from his their belt set. Uh-huh. And it just, he's rendering every link. It's insane. Um, but the book kind of has like, I don't I want to say James Bond, but like an espionage kind of feel on some oh, it, scale. Yeah, to me. it totally has like impossible mission force vibes. Like, there's like a, there's a crazy car chase in Italy. I think it was yeah. uh, just cool stuff like that. And there's a fight scene that like begins with two people falling out of the sky and one of them surfing the yeah. other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if if you don't know, this is uh, relaunching a series that was originally crafted by Grant Morrison. Right. And basically, though, instead of Batman running Batman Incorporated, it's Ghostmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we <laughs> this is because Batman has no money and Ghostmaker does. Yeah. But part of the fun is that Ghostmaker is not really a natural born leader. He's kind of a dick to people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he uses a very forceful hand to get his way. And I have a feeling that's not going to last very long. People are eventually going to relent, but. They're all getting paychecks, essentially, being Batmans of the world. And there's there's a little bit of a conversation of, like, are we happy being known as, you know, I'm the Batman of this area? Like, do, do we want to create our own identities? Are we really all in agreement that we want to listen to this asshole giving orders? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, yeah. it's easier for us to fall in line when we're taking orders from a guy we respect like Batman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Meanwhile, there's also there's a bunch of deaths, and these deaths are connected to Ghostmaker's origin, his yeah. his previous teachers, which fascinatingly kind of connects with what Chip Zdarsky's been doing in Batman: The Night. Totally, uh, where every issue there's a new uh, teacher teaching him and Ghostmaker at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Anton, I think is his name. Uh, and now, like, it's almost like they were made together in a way. Um, yeah. Which is really cool in comics, especially when, you know, you can pick up a random, like, new Joker book and, mm-hmm. like, it completely forgets about what happened in the last five years of Joker's <laughs> right. stories. Which can be frustrating, but also refreshing, of course. Totally. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all on board for this. I think Tim's is just incredible at detail. Yeah. And um, I think it's just a fun concept. And it's leading into all the weird variations of Batman across the globe. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I really I really dug this first issue, and it was just barely squeaked out by my top two. What was your favorite book, though? I really dug Batman Urban Legends number 20, uh, written mm. by a whole bunch of different people. <laughs> uh, this is the anthology, monthly anthology series focused around Batman and Gotham and the Batman family. And I- I've kind of fallen off on it in recent issues because there's been a bunch of, like, continuing stories that I'm not yeah. as super into and that like, the pacing's a little funky on... And this issue kind of puts those a little bit more in the back seat. I mean, it does launch a new continuing story, but there's a really fun hook to it. But the mm. lead story, Castle Arkham on Haunted Wings, is an oh Elseworlds story by Jim Zub and Max Dunbar that like introduces us to a sort of uh, Victorian slash Lovecraftian take on Batman uh, yeah. fighting demons and working with... Uh, uh, Kirk Langstrom to like create this uh, to synthesize the serum that these cultists have been using, and it culminates in this giant monster battle above the city, and also seems to set up another another scary story down the line. Uh, and just it's the, immediately we get this whole world laid out for us. This bat creature is something else. <laughs> it's pretty wild. That yeah, there's a transformation scene in this issue that is disgusting and weird yeah. and the Batman design is so cool. Um this story this series also this issue also has a story called My Son uh by Nadia Shamas and uh, Janoy Lindsay that mm-hmm. is uh about Batman and Talia having a tense conversation after Damien is like critically injured really gets into their relationship with each other and how it reflects on their son. Nice. Um, it finishes up a Alfred Pennyworth story by Chris Burnham, where also Alfred is dealing with some like eldritch kind of beings. Uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that I love about this series is that it's not afraid to take big swings because they don't necessarily have to slot neatly into continuity. Yeah. And yeah, like Penguin looks gross as hell. Penguin, in the Penguin is story. yeah, Penguin is looks like <laughs> his like animated series self mixed with Danny DeVito. And then Yeah, it is, yeah. And then this also kicks off Joey Esposito and Vasco Georgiev's uh murder club, which uh starts with people killing the rich folks of Gotham and then goes into a twist ending that uh seems very close to another story that's going on right now in the comics, but has me very intrigued to see like where it leads because it's a big swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stories in this one. Yeah. Good lord. It's like what, 50 pages? Uh yeah, I think each issue is like 48 to 60 pages, something like that. When we spoke to Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, yeah. they were talking about how they did a story for this and it was just like they were told like can you just do a a, a story that'll eventually end up in an anthology mm-hmm. like this? So like they just and then they just put it in a drawer. Yeah, and it they sits. Were, they said like their first few gigs at DC were like archive stories, and like maybe they'll yeah. come out. Of some, they said they wrote a story with Kelly Jones art that's just chilling yeah. in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Give it to me right now. <laughs> I know that's a crime. It should be out right now. And it's it's interesting too that they like they do this one story mm-hmm. and then they they chop it up into the urban legends so that it's like a like a you know an right. anthology. And I think I think that's probably happening a lot. But like I also love that these have led to larger books, right? Like we've yeah. gotten the the upcoming Wildcat series out of this. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah, it's almost like gauging interest slash. Yeah, it's a smart thing. You put Batman on the cover, and then you can explore stories with these, uh, you know, supporting characters that may be able to carry their own book. 
Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Nice pick, dude. Thanks, man. You too. <laughs> In our next segment, stand out. Wow. Moment of the week. We talk about our favorite moment or page, mm-hmm. panel, whatever. Uh, from the week. I loved a scene in X-Force number 32, which you just were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, art by Joshua Casera. And uh, it's a scene uh, where you were you also kind of mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Deadpool gets a new body. And yeah. it's all like weeds S- and Swamp Thing-esque. <laughs> and he is really pissed at Omega Red mm-hmm. for letting, not only like killing him almost, but uh, leaving him for dead in the Arctic and the polar bear eating him. And he says, do you realize what it feels like to pass through the digestive tract of a large animal? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it does sound hellish. But yeah, anyway, this... Uh, oh, sorry, that's not Joshua Kassari. It's uh, Robert Gill. Um, and it, it's just a great full-page splash of uh, Deadpool with a like wooden sword fighting Omega Red. Like He has mm-hmm. no chance against Omega Red right now. But uh, I love how he's like grabbing his hair. If you go to aptcomics.com and see the podcast post, you can see the art in full. But... Uh, it's just a really dynamic page of them clashing. Right. Yeah. And Black Tom even gave him a little Deadpool logo on belt uh, for his costume. Nice touch. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What was your favorite moment of the week? Uh, I loved this page from Star Wars Visions number one by Takashi really cool Ozaki. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. This is a prelude to um, the episode of The Duel uh, from mm-hmm. Star Wars Visions. Yeah, and has this Sith in the village who who encounters the Ronin in the duel talking about, um, all of the people that he's killed over the years, and we just get this incredible splash of you know all of these detailed designs. I mean, all these different different characters he's encountered over the years, different styles of lightsabers. One is like a long staff. Uh, one of them has what almost looks like a rune in his glove that's projecting lightsaber energy. I mean, there's just some, mm-hmm. it's just so detailed and so gorgeous. And I, I just kind of, I kind of gasped. One of them is a fan that has a, a, a saber poking out the end of it. It's just so cool. Wow. And, and yeah, really cool. Yeah. And the use of, of color in the whole book, really. Yeah. Um, or lack thereof, in, in a sense. Yeah. is really cool. Oh, man. I, I really, like, I'm even more excited about this anthology series now. It's such a great idea. Yeah. Um, exploring Star Wars, but taking big swings at the shows mm-hmm. and movies can't. Absolutely. Moving on to our top books for next week, we're going to talk about our most anticipated comics out next week. What yeah. do you got? I'm really looking forward to Batman One Bad Day, The Penguin by John Ridley and Giuseppe Comancoli. Uh This yeah. is the, the third, I believe, of the One Bad Day one-shots. Yep. Um, and this one it follows a killer called the Umbrella Man, who Ooh. is uh, a former associate of the Penguins who has taken over his empire, tearing it down. And Batman may have to team up with the Penguin in order to stop a gang war from brewing. Um, oh, no. <laughs> which is a, a an interesting idea on its own. But I am just so... I, I love when John Ridley gets to write these kind of... Uh, ground level crime books and uh like i i I adore what he's doing and i am batman right now and uh this is just uh, if this is kind of along the same wavelength i think i'm gonna really like this if we're talking about the difference between between old money and new money and class divides and and uh and and the the root of evil in gotham i'm here for it 
Yeah, I just love the concept of these one shots. Yeah. It's such a cool idea. And there's one a month, so there's something to look forward to through, I think, February. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's I think cool. Mr. Freeze is the next one after this. Ooh, that one's Willow Wilson, right? Yes. So. Yeah. Ooh, that one's going to hit. Yeah. It's going to hit. <laughs> uh, my must anticipated book of the week is Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man number one yeah. by B. Earl Taboo and Juan Ferreira uh, all three fans of AIPT and friends of the show <laughs> right uh, I've been reviewing Juan's uh, art since Green Arrow like uh, nine years ago yeah so good love his work love it and mm-hmm. he has been teasing the hell out of us with uh, panels from this book yeah. uh, for months and months and months. Before we even knew it came out, he was showing us stuff. Every single time I see a, a page from this, I'm just like, God, I need I need that right away. When the book comes out Wednesday, I'm going to check every website to make sure. Uh, I want to I own some of this art. It looks so cool, yeah. what he's showing yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's cool to see, you know, Earl and Tavu working together mm-hmm. again, uh, since their ghostwriter stuff. And since they were on the show, God, maybe a year ago now, right? Was it the fall? I, I think so. Yeah. It was when that ghostwriter, uh, the spirit writer special came out. So I think that was yeah. last, the one I shot. think that was last October. Mm-hmm. And it's like a cool idea to like blend horror and Spider-Man. So I think totally. it's really going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. Moving on to Judging by the Cover Jr. Mm-hmm. We're talking about our favorite cover art. Uh, what do you got? I love uh, Catwoman number 48's cover by Jeff Deakle. This is mm-hmm. a, a very old school blue and gray Batman overlooking Selina in the foreground. With a, so it's, it, it almost looks like it could be in the liner notes for a Prince album about Batman. <laughs> there's, yeah. <laughs> a, there's, a, there's a white bird flying behind, between them, some roses hanging down from the ceiling. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, there's something very striking about this. I love yeah. the contrast, the contrast. Of light and dark here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a gorgeous cover. And I, I, love the, I love the look on Selena's face. Like you can't really read what she's, what she's got planned. Like it's all, it's just like she's in total control, and you definitely, uh, Batman is still enough in the shadows that his eyes are hidden, and I just always think that's such a cool look. Nice, yeah, it's really cool. Love the color choices too. Totally. Just Catwoman is like exuding like strength and like I don't know. Yeah, sultriness, of course. Of but course. A lot of cool stuff going on in this cover. Like it. Mm-hmm. I also chose a Batman-centric cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really love the Mitch Gerads Flashpoint Beyond Number Six cover. Great cover. It's got Thomas Wayne, Batman, who has you know the red logo mm-hmm. on his chest, the red eyes, uh, standing in the, for- the background, and in the foreground are these Joker cards, mm-hmm. the Wayne Casino cards, and uh, they're all Joker cards, and they're also the Joker of this story, which is a, a female Joker. I won't say who. Mm-hmm who she really is but uh just really cool dynamic way of doing all these cards while he stands there menacingly behind them yeah uh you might assume that maybe the joker character has just thrown these cards in his face and he's just oh i'm not amused (laughs) it's like it's interesting it's it's simple yet uh not at the same time Mm -hmm. like there's interesting like blood splatter on the cape uh there you can see like the armor and the shoulder pads he's got i love that uh, obviously, there's some digital stuff going on here because the cards look too perfect, mm-hmm. I assume. But um, yeah, just I don't know. I just I'm enraptured by this cover. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. And the, the the use of green and red is really cool mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I might have to pick up that cover. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. 
And in our last segment, join us as we talk to Tyler Burton Smith about slumber. It's a good one. On with us is Tyler Burton Smith. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the AMPT Comics Podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to, to be on with you guys. We really love Slumber, yeah. and the first volume is out October 12th, uh, so folks can get it all in one package. So the world of Slumber, all in one package, that's that's so exciting, because, I mean, we've had the single issues out for quite a few months here, where we're getting those little nuggets. How has yeah. the experience been launching Slumber at Image Comics to start? Uh, I mean, it's been really exciting for me. It's my first comic, so uh, it's interesting. You know, I, I, I come from writing... Uh, you know, mostly movies these days, which is such a slow process. And and it was mm-hmm. exciting to create something that had like a monthly release where you could kind of, <laughs> it's also because like people would react in certain ways and ask certain questions. It's like, well, you can't fix what's coming next. It's kind of like a TV <laughs> show, you know, where, where you have like the weekly release and it's, sure. it's, uh, it's what it is. But it was really interesting to see how people were reacting issue to issue and where they thought the story was going, where they didn't think the story was going. And uh, it was really fun for me in, in that respect. And, and uh, you know, I was really happy with the response it's had so far. So uh, it was really fun. And, and Image is so great to work with, um, just so incredibly collaborative and and uh, really just let the artists go wild. And this was such a kind of crazy, um, you know, concept that matches so many different things together. So it was, it was exciting to just let them uh, or have them allowed to just be what it is and uh, just let the artist go wild. So uh, yeah, it's been really great. Yeah, how did you how did you get hooked up with Image to, to pitch this book in the first place? So I, um, I'm i actually friends with a uh, comic book creator named Jonathan Luna. And mm-hmm. uh, you know I, he's done a lot of stuff that I really liked. And I kind of mentioned to him that I had this idea for a comic, uh, you know, and I'd never created a comic before. And I was like, I don't really know how to approach this kind of thing, but this was, um, I wanted to write a comic for a long time, but I just felt like I never had the idea. I felt like I would only do a comic if it was uh, a premise, an idea that felt like this was the best medium for it. And, and that's how I felt about this. And especially with something to do with dreams and, uh, you know, just such a visual concept where every single dreamscape can feel different and look different. Uh, it really excited me um, and scared me in a way, but but was exciting to to kind of play in this medium. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mentioned that to him, and and he was, you know, very kind to uh, you know get me a a little spot to to kind of pitch to to image and. Um, they liked it and we just rolled from there. So, so yeah, it was nice. pretty, pretty lucky. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, there is a lot going on, like you said, in slumber. I mean, this is a whole nightmare world. Anything can happen. There's a protagonist with a secret. You got a ghoul for a sidekick. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Where did you start? Did, did all this kind of come to you at once or were you building it out as a, how, how long did it kind of take to germinate this idea? Yeah, it was, I had had, the kernel of the idea for a while, like probably three years ago or something. I, I had this, I'd always wanted to do something in the world of dreams. I, when I was in college, I suffered from horrible nightmares, like oh, debilitating no. nightmares for months where I could not sleep. And uh, I had this, and the main antagonist of, of this volume is inspired by that. <laughs> uh, doesn't look anything like uh, Valkyra from from this book, 
but there was this presence that looked a little bit like Mr. Clean. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, I'm is, already scared. Yeah, no, uh, terrifying <laughs> even to just picture that much. But uh, this Mr. Clean guy um, would just silently move through the shadows. It could use shadows as like doorways where it would just like anytime there was a area of darkness, it could just appear and wouldn't oh, say anything wow. and would just eerily watch me. And I was fucking terrified and sure. had no idea what to do about this. And, um, you know, so I, I did all kinds of research. I started learning how to lucid dream and like figuring out my own way to oh, wow. deal with this shit. And at some point I just was reflecting on this was like, God, it would have been so nice if I could just hire somebody to like mm. somehow go into my dreams with a shotgun and just murder this thing so I could just <laughs> fucking sleep at night. Yeah. And that's truly how I felt. And it wouldn't have resolved any of the underlying issues of why this was happening, but all I wanted was to sleep. And so I had that idea for a while, but I never just kind of cracked, you know, dug deeper into what this story could be. And then um, kind of around the, the beginning, I, I, I kind of didn't have nightmares for a long time after that. I, I uh, once I started lucid dreaming, I kind of found tools to to deal with this, and that stopped. And then around the beginning of the pandemic, uh, which is I'm sure when a lot of people started getting nightmares, um, <laughs> sure. I for the first time experienced uh, sleep paralysis. Oh my god, um, which I'd never felt before. And uh, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's it's this kind of feeling where you half wake up. Uh, but you can't move your body yet. And often people have this kind of eerie hallucination in this state where they see a figure moving towards them um, or, and it's often a, a very similar uh, figure that people see throughout the world. It's, it's kind of crazy how these, these connections. Um, there's, a, there's an incredible documentary about that called The Nightmare. If anybody wants to seek that out, I think it's on Shudder right now. And oh, it's, really? It's truly terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that imagine. out. Yeah, but um, so, you know, that that's where the other kind of part of uh, the story kind of came from for me, this idea that, okay, well, I'm not in control of my body right now. And what if, what if there was a nightmare entity that had the ability to control people's bodies while they were sleeping? And yeah. if what if that nightmare was essentially a serial killer of sorts and people were dying in the real world because... And it's it's kind of you know obviously there's links to like Freddy Krueger and stuff like that but but um, the fact that uh, you know this this character is actually creating mayhem in our world mm -hmm. uh, despite being from the dream world uh, I thought there was something really interesting about that and and so that was the piece that was kind of missing for me to kind of connect these two worlds uh, in a fun way that that uh, once I kind of came up with that part of the idea. Just it was just an explosion of ideas and and characters and uh, really built from there uh, quite quickly. So uh, so yeah, that's kind of where it all came together for me. So often with comic series, it feels like they're not doing enough. Like there's there's only like one kind of plot going on that you're really interested in. But with Slumber, I felt like you've got so many layers. You've got multiple characters introduced, and you do you do something that's really cool, which is you drop the you drop the reader into the uh, this world where you don't necessarily get a full backstory on somebody there's not like an exposition drop and right. that is so refreshing <laughs> when you read as many comics as we do every week um but you know the dark origins of slumber you just kind of tapped into there it's also a really fun action adventure book so how did sure. you how did you bring that into 
the story after, you know, <laughs> what you just said about nightmares in your own experience? Yeah, well, I, I mean, as a writer, uh, everything I write has an element of comedy in it. And I was, as a kid, deeply inspired by things like Tarantino films were huge for me, like movies like Fargo, where it's like you have this really kind of intense story with moments of just like characters who can't help but laugh at and, yeah. uh, you know, Tarantino and, and things like this. So I always love that like tonal uh, tight walk of, of playing with genres like horror or sci-fi or fantasy, but, but also like having moments of levity and, and fun. And, and uh, you know, when I look back at those nightmares, I just laugh my ass off. Like, why the fuck was I afraid of Mr. <laughs> Clean? Like, where does this come from? So I think there is something inherently kind of comedic and, and wild about that, that, um, you know, I, I love the movie Inception, but it's so self-serious and, uh, and yeah. it's dr the world of dreams can be so insane and, and uh, crazy Nonsensical. and, <laughs> and yeah, it just completely illogical at times. And, and so I wanted to really tap into that side of things. And, and there's an unpredictability with that, which I love in writing where, you know, I, I tend to write about flawed characters who just will often make the wrong decision um, as a starting point. And then thrusting that into a world of dreams where you're just never sure what's going to happen, where this is gonna lead, or what kind of, dr every dreamscape you enter is completely different and has a different uh, set of rules and, uh, right. and look and feel. So uh, it was just really fun to kind of um, explore that. And, uh, you know, working with uh, Vanessa Cardinale, like she has such a unique style that, um, mm -hmm. You know, for me, uh, perfectly fit that tone I was going for, where she has a kind of uh, cartoony style, but it but it has sometimes like a heaviness or like a darkness behind it, and um, totally. an emotional kind of core behind this this kind of uh, fun that that she really is is good at expressing. Yeah, and the the dream worlds are like super varied, but they're they're also cohesive. Like the like mm. when you when you pick a rule, you kind of stick with it. And there's there's some really fun, I don't know. There's some really fun visual elements that come with each of them. What what do these look like in a script? How how does that kind of evolve from from script to page? Yeah, so I mean, uh, part of the fun of the premise for me was was the idea that like every dream that Stetson, the protagonist, enters mm -hmm. is a representation of who that person is. You know, she has a variety of clients uh, with different issues, but it's like they might appear to be a certain kind of person on the surface, but everything that manifests in their dreams uh, is a core part of who they are. And maybe, you know, everything's damp and wet for some reason, or <laughs> the walls are paper thin, or you only see the backs of people's heads. And this is kind of, so I really kind of went into this crazy realm of like, you know, diagrams of like who these people are, what yeah. their fears were, what, what they were dealing with in life and how to manifest that, that visually. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I had an idea of who all these people were and certain kind of rules and, and uh, things that we would set in the backgrounds of certain uh, dreamscapes and stuff like that. And then, you know, as, as much as I could uh, try to explain my idea for that to Vanessa and then also just told her like with these kinds of parameters just go wild like you know have fun mm -hmm. create certain things that that uh you know and, and that was really fun for me because she sometimes surprised me and I would do things that I never would have thought of and, and you know that's part of the fun of the collaboration of 
comics in general is yeah. is just like seeing what kind of wild things uh, the artist comes up with. And uh, yeah, so I, I kind of gave an overview of um, certain specific things I want to see, but I didn't want to be too like rigid about exactly what you're seeing sure. uh, in the panel at the time uh, so that she could kind of just go go a bit uh, wilder on her own too. And I love Simon Robbins' colors too. Like it really pulls yeah. everything together. Yeah, no, he's he's great. And uh, this was um, Vanessa's first time not doing her own colors. And I kind of oh, suggested oh, like, yeah, yeah. She and she's she's great at doing her own colors. Oh, and she has a very specific style. But I kind of just brought up to her like, I think your style because we're dealing with dreams and reality and these two very different. Uh, things that we want to express in different ways. It would be fun to have a colorist who who could kind of bring those out in in different ways. And uh, and he, you know, connected with Vanessa's style immediately. And and you know, Vanessa draws everything by hand, so there is kind of a handmade quality to it that I, I yeah. think he was able to really match in a nice way. So uh, yeah, he's great. Did you find writing in the comics format versus the screenwriting format more freeing or different in any way? Uh, it, it was, there's, there's a lot of similarities. I would say like, uh, the main similarity is that when you write a screenplay, you're kind of writing a blueprint for a story in the sense that you're telling somebody, uh, you know, what, what the story is, but it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of their interpretation of that. But, uh, when you write a screenplay, you're kind of trying to take people on a journey to entertain them. And you're not always focused on specific details so much as like character dialogue and kind of leaving intentionally a lot of things out so that the director can kind of make this their own in a way. Uh, so I think the, the, the first thing I really had to learn was like you, you comics are also a blueprint, but it's more of a literal blueprint where you're kind of saying like, this is the panel and these are, this person will be on this side or that side, or, you know, this is what we're looking at. And uh, so I had to be a lot more specific with like the details and uh, what you see or, or don't see, um, or like, you know, if this is a close up on a hand, like whose hand, like you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, so, sure. yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there was a bit of a, I, I, I found it, the freeing part was just a sense that, um, you know, it's, it, there's only like, three or four people involved in creating a comic. And that's sure. really fun. Yeah. Uh, there's something so like when you come from, you know, I've worked in uh, video games before I worked in film and it's like both of those mediums, there's like, you know, 200 people involved and uh, it's it's fun in a lot of different ways, but also, you know, there's, there's so many different steps to these things and so many different uh, voices and departments and all this kind of stuff. So this just felt like it's like art by committee on some on some level. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, and you know sometimes that turns out great too. But uh, but I I think part of the fun of this is it just felt like you know when I was a kid like making comics with my friends and we yeah. just like come up with ideas and just talk about them and then make it. Uh, and that's how it felt. It just felt like we were giddy children <laughs> creating something fun together. So uh, yeah, I really loved that. What were you reading when you were younger? Sorry. I'll go for it. Jeez. Okay. So I have an interesting, like my introduction to comics is very scattered because I, 
my parents weren't really into comics, so I could only get comics at like garage sales. So <laughs> okay. I had like issue 167 of G.I. Joe and issue like 83 of Dungeons and Dragons and oh wow. Uh, you know, all over the map. I had no idea what the story was more than like 22 pages at a time. But uh <laughs> but I was I, I had like I was you know huge into Marvel and DC and all that kind of stuff and X-Men and a lot of those growing up were were huge uh influences for me um the, the kind of classics yeah for nice. sure uh, while you were working through the script i mean did you have any any nightmare creatures any set pieces anything that like was part of your original plans that you had to kind of leave on the cutting room floor as this evolved definitely yeah there are quite a few um and i won't say what they are because hopefully they'll show up later potentially sure. uh you know uh but i yeah, it was interesting because um, this was my first comic. And so when I really built the story, I kind of mapped out this story um, as a three volume arc. But but how I built the story was kind of like, I, I kind of uh, created the idea for the first volume, kind of how I was thinking of like a, a season of television. Um, yeah. And quickly realized you just can't tell as much story <laughs> six issues of, of a comic as you can in a, a season of television. So uh, I knew the end point where I wanted to end this, mm. this arc uh, um, and had to cut a lot of stuff along the way to kind of um, get there. So, so there's, there's definitely, you know, there were a few different clients, uh, more steps to getting to the finale originally and, and uh, dreams that uh, Stetson had to enter in this first volume. And, uh, yeah, a lot of kind of fun, crazy dream worlds that, uh, you know, I hope can be used elsewhere, but, uh, but that's definitely, yeah, I, I'm, I'm infinite supply. I, I used to keep a dream journal for like 10 years. Wow, and when I yeah. <laughs> came up with, uh, you know, when I decided I wanted to do this, I uh -huh. kind of dug into that and was just like, geez, I used to have all kinds of insane dreams that uh you were born to write this right? <laughs> this is the story i was yeah this is massive therapy that i should have done you know, 15 years ago or something i mean I, I gotta say like i i i loved it month to month because there's all these great little cliffhangers i think it works exceptionally well in trade too mm -hmm. because you've got this you know one linear story what you should do is a director's cut right you put out, <laughs> right. Put out the version that has all the extra clients like in a year or two maybe some bloopers yes. at the end <laughs> yeah i'll be the first comic to have a blooper reel at the end <laughs> that's what everybody wants well speaking of like fun and you know laughing uh is there any art to the one-liner because i love the one-liners in this book is there any what sorry is there any art to the one-liner to a badass one-liner oh i i thought you meant like literal art like <laughs> oh, no. oh no, no. i think there is art to those one-liners god i must be sleep deprived uh, we all are. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think for me, you know, all these quips and stuff just come from characters. So mm -hmm. as, as soon as I've built a character who talks a certain way, it just kind of, you know, rolls off of like, what would this person say in this kind of a situation? And I love, uh, you know, kind of awkward interactions between people mm -hmm. who just like feel like they're thrust together, who uh, should never be would never like go to a dinner party together. And, <laughs> and that's the kind of fun of, uh, you know, a lot of the characters in this story is, is they're sure. kind of 
forced upon each other, um, especially Finch and Stetson, who come from completely different worlds. And so that was a really fun dynamic for me to explore. And, and you know, some of those lines just come from, from the, the feeling of those two characters sharing space together. So, so yeah, I, I think that's where, for me, a lot of the dialogue just comes from thinking a lot about who these people are and, and how they are. So, yeah. Finch is such a fun sort of a uh, reader surrogate character because he's like he's 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 not having it but he also understands that he's out of his depth at the same time right and it's just yeah, I, I, I love following that character he was definitely you know I needed a character who kind of wasn't from this world even just from an expositional standpoint to have somebody who you know were forced to tell some of these rules of the world to but right I didn't ever want this to be I love the first half of Inception where it's just like, you know, feed me every law and, and you know, <laughs> right, totally. yeah. every rule of this world. But I didn't really want to do that with this story and wanted a character who like intentionally just isn't being given the full picture and kind of thrust into this world being like, wait, what is happening? Like, can I die here? Who is this person? Why did you shoot him in the head? Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. So I, I that was a lot of fun for me to explore. Is just uh, mm. and then somebody who just inevitably just has to give in to all this and be like, "Fuck it, okay, I'm not going to understand what the hell's going on, but I have to be a part Fucking of help. this to just." <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I, I I love that character. He was always so fun to to write for, and I I love uh, Vanessa's artwork. I think he's um, my favorite character design because uh, yeah. that Vanessa came up with because just his expressive nature is just so fun to to explore in, in the panels so so I, I really loved his dynamic in this in this piece yeah and and i i love i mean we get to follow these characters to a very interesting point towards i mean i'm not going to get into spoilers or anything but things are as the story would continue things have to change i mean how can we expect stetson stetson can't operate as normal correct correct yeah uh that was kind of you know, as as I mentioned, um, I had this kind of idea of a overview of this first arc as like a mm -hmm. season and this endpoint, and I I had thought about extending uh, that endpoint to like you know the end of a second volume or something, and really like letting this breathe a bit more. But I was really excited to get to where the story goes next, and the idea of uh, this character who is kind of forever changed in a way from from the events of the first hmm. arc and uh i think there's a fun new kind of um dynamic even within her to to explore and that makes everything uh incredibly difficult and sure. and also uh a new kind of tool that she can use so so there's a lot of uh fun things to explore um in in future kind of uh, volumes with her as a character that that I'm really excited to kind of uh, play with. Do you do we have any idea if that's that's in the cards at the moment? I mean, we'll see. I I kind of uh, I hope so. I yeah. I definitely um I am now kind of buried knee deep in uh, film stuff for the rest of this year, and gotcha. hoping at like the beginning of next year. You know, we'll we'll see how. Uh, what the appetite is, but uh, you know, response has been uh, really good so far. But uh, but it's definitely a story I really want to continue, and the the team wants to continue. So uh, and you know, I have all kinds of stories planned out for um, where this this builds from here. So uh, so yeah, really really hoping so. 
Awesome. We see a lot of nightmares in slumber, but is there any chance Stetson could visit a nice dream sometime? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's, um, you know, I, that's something I wanted to explore too, is that like not all dreams are scary. There are these kind of just, and sometimes nightmares are the opposite of what you'd think they'd be. Maybe just being mm. stuck in a room that you can't get out of that's like, yeah. incredibly pleasant but in the wrong way and mm. uh things like that and um you know and also like just really strange nightmares like you know i've had this uh visual i don't know if i'll ever put it in this book but just the idea of a nightmare of just like somebody holding a glass of milk that just you just can't get like that glass of milk needs to go or i can't like go to sleep you know <laughs> or I, i'll That's just funny. like have these nightmares forever so like just things like that where it's like you know it's not some giant monster or something but but uh kind of like the the fun of the m mundane you know because yeah. i think as we get older too sometimes our dreams and our nightmares become a lot more plain uh yeah. and realistic in a way and anchored well, to I, real life i've had nightmares where i'm just in a waiting room i mean it's just mm. the vague feeling like the anxiety of, of it yeah sure. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have, you know, all I have all the classic nightmares of like, I constantly have the nightmare where uh, I am ill prepared for something or like there's a test Absolutely. or <laughs> for something that was like, I didn't even know I was in this class and now I have an exam. Uh, <laughs> Do you guys ever have that dream where you're and then in the dream, you're like, wait a minute, I've been out of college for like 10, oh, yeah. 15, you think, 20, you think that to yourself? whatever yeah. year. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I worried about this? I'm Absolutely. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I never think about that in a dream. I'm just like, I really need to pass this test. I don't know why, but <laughs> it feels important. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, uh, you're a super busy guy, but like, uh, are there any other projects you're working on right now that you'd like to talk about today? I, I have a couple other comic projects um, that, that I'm hoping to to explore next year, but uh, maybe a bit early to, to talk about okay. them. Um, but one that I'm really excited about and would, would love to kind of uh, explore as well. But uh, but yeah, I, I for, for now, it's just slumber on, on the comic side. Um, I have a movie coming out next year called Boy Kills World that I'm really excited about. Nice. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I just saw, you know, a, uh, almost the final cut of the movie and feel really good about it, which is which is a good feeling to have. So I'm, I'm hoping people really enjoy that. Nice. When, when it nice. Comes out, That's so. the one with uh, Bill Skarsgård, correct? Yes. Yeah. Bill yeah, Skarsgård's yeah. in it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very exciting. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you'll be continuing on with comics as well. Though. Yeah, I was blown away. I can't believe this is your first comic, honestly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, you know, I mean, I've been a lover of comics for so long and and uh, a lot more so in my adult life. You know, I, yeah. I really uh, feel like we're in just a special phase of comics where there's just yeah. so many... Uh, you know, I mean, TV is incredible right now, too, but but it just feels like there's so many good ideas and so many good stories and comics that, like, I constantly find myself just digging in. And and uh, so it was really fun to kind of be a part of that and, and would love to do that more. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, any chance of an X-Men like book in your future? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I you know, it's interesting if if I were to ever uh, explore doing something at Marvel or any of these kinds yeah. of. Uh, places I would love to do just you know one of those bizarre side characters who I feel like doesn't get enough attention totally. because I love an underdog story and I mean I'm always drawn to these like characters who like don't have the best superpowers or just kind of like you know 
you know, character eight on the team who like barely shows up. So <laughs> sure. uh, I would love to, you know, play with something like that. But um, but who knows? Yeah, maybe at some point it would be really fun to kind of play in that world, too. And, uh, you know, bring it back to childhood in a way. I don't want to typecast you, but I mean, Sleepwalker is pretty weird. Sleepwalker <laughs> is pretty weird. Yeah, that's a good call. Maybe I have enough in the, the dream world for now. <laughs> there you go well Tyler thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast I think Slumber is like the perfect Halloween read uh, yeah, it blends sure. so many cool elements and your dialogue is fabulous uh, I think everybody oh, should go pick it up great well yeah hope they do <laughs> alright thanks so much 